Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It has been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we're in the middle of a gaming renaissance and a global pandemic. There are just too many great games that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on, and it can be, it can actually be a hard decision to try and figure out what to play next. We will talk to people who are playing some of these games and find out what their opinions and what their favorites are. Uh, we also talk about big industry events, uh, but we also, more than that, talk to some of the people who uh, write these games. Now, today we are going to talk with my old roommate, uh, an old buddy from back in the day, Hobby God, who actually was on not all that long ago. But we're, uh, we, and when he was on last, we kind of talked about gaming in these weird times. Uh, the, the global pandemic has made for serious changes in the gaming industry. And one of the things we do like to talk about on the show from time to time is the industry as a whole. Uh, and I think no one is better suited to have that conversation than our guest. Uh, of course, I'm talking about the man, the myth, the legend, the hobby god himself, Dave Taylor. Welcome back to Cast Ice. <laughs> thanks, Brad. I, it's, I, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, I tried to keep it short this time. I didn't go on to, you know, the the million things you've done over the years. Uh, but, mate, I mean, truly, you have done a million things in the hobby industry. Uh, and after the last time you were on, a few people messaged, say, oh, it's great to have Dave back on the show. I'm glad you talked to him. And uh, did you ever, you know, see that he did this? Or have you? And I was like, yes, yes. No, I didn't know he did that. And you are a man <laughs> whose finger is in a million hobby pies, so to speak. Um, that's, keep him that's busy. True. Yeah, right on. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, I did want to bring up one of the hobby pies that you've had your finger in recently. Uh, I did hear that you were on the 40K podcast, The Independent Characters, which is a narrative-driven, uh, non-super-competitive stab-your-face-in 40K uh, podcast. And they had you on on an, on an episode entitled The Graying of 40K, which I'm looking forward to listening to uh, in the next couple days now that I'm on school holidays. Um, that must have been really cool, man, because I know that you've had a, a long and storied history in the gaming industry, and uh, to be able to sit down and talk with those guys who put on a hell of a show must have been a treat. Uh, yeah, it was definitely definitely great. Um, I, I've known uh, Carl for a long time. I've known Adan for a couple of years now. Um, it's I've had the opportunity to, to talk on um, the Independent Characters podcast a couple of times, but it was the first time that, that actually they invited me to, like, join them for the entire episode uh and it was it was definitely cool it was um it was funny it's as you said yeah talking about the graying of the uh of the 40k hobby um i i mentioned several times during that that, that conversation that uh, the only reason they had me on the show was because i was getting old oh. uh, but amusingly enough though um both carl and adan were older than me so i was the youngest guy on the show but i'd been playing 40k the longest yeah so it was kind of <laughs> yeah man i mean for those of us because you've been playing i think it i think we've been playing about the same amount of time i picked it I up so, yeah. in 89 88 somewhere in there um yeah yeah a bit later on 81 still rogue trader yeah definitely yeah yeah 
Speaking of which, um, and I do bring that up and what I'm bringing up next for a reason, kids. Stay with me. Um, recently, we had Rick Priestley on to talk about uh, the origins of Warhammer 40,000 and going way back to um, you know how Rogue Trader was actually designed um you know some of the aesthetic choices some of the rules choices the evolution of the game how it went from being his pet project um who brian ansel said no this will never sell science fiction models don't sell to okay fine we'll do it to it turning into the global juggernaut that it is um which is you know hilarious when you hear about just how much uh, effort rick had to put in to getting it off the ground in the first place uh, to get Games Workshop as it was at the time, to even consider selling uh, a, a science fiction quote unquote game f- at all, to make any, because all the original models were supposed to be fantasy models that had like plug in kits that you could add guns and different heads to, um, right. because they didn't want to make fantasy or sorry, science fiction models. And then to see what 40K is now is pretty wild. Anyway, speaking of which, um, to bring that full circle, we are kind of looking at a new, well, we are absolutely looking at a new um, edition of 40K. The pre-orders go up in about, God, less than a week now. Uh, and it is going to be an epic release. Lots of hype. A lot of people talking about 40K. Um, and before I get to all that, I guess it should be mentioned that you have been busy preparing for 40K in your own way, haven't you? How have, how have you been preparing uh, as the hype train rolls? As the hype train rolls, um, I have been preparing a bit. Um, I haven't really, honestly, been paying attention to um, too much of the uh, information that's been coming out, mm-hmm. or certainly, and definitely, I completely avoid the speculation. Uh, <laughs> what do you but, mean? Uh, there isn't any speculation. It's the internet. What are you talking about? At all, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I just just avoid that so that I don't get um, don't end up being confused, I guess. Yep. Um, when I crack open that rule book, but uh, yeah, I've been working on a um, Chaos Knights army for um, for 40k, mm-hmm. not specifically for Ninth Edition. Uh, it was kind of like something I wanted to to build. Um, hopefully, they'll see the table at some point. Mm-hmm. But I know that a lot of people don't really enjoy playing against completely knight armies, so maybe they won't. But yeah, um, yeah I just said I've had a hell of a lot of a hell of a lot of fun um, building them. So for folks who don't know what knights are, and I know there's a few folks who are miniature, sorry, 40k uh, noobs or are not just familiar with the lore at all. Uh, who listen to this show uh, knights are the miniature titans so but they're still yep. huge i mean they're um, giant yep. walking robots uh they're, they're also uh, yeah just big combat robots with either massive guns or massive massive fists or chain swords mm-hmm. like, but yeah definitely yeah. uh a huge amount of fun to to work with like modeling wise and painting wise you got so much um surface area to to work with well i mean that's the whole point i mean you're you're dealing with a massive war dolly that you're able to uh a pose but then b you know put in situ on a large base and to actually create a narrative and because you only have a couple of them you're able to do that i mean i've mentioned it recently i had a an old demon prince that was the old forge world abaddon that i cut apart that well that i got in a lot of pieces so in reassembling it i reassembled it as a demon prince uh, for 40k and it was massive it was the size of what a, a knight is now 
but because it was on it was standing on a cd as a base because it was the only thing that i could get it to stand on i had it walking <laughs> off a land a, a crushed land speeder and he was holding a, you know a bit of a space marine and it, i was able to create a bit of a narrative and back then i wasn't the hobbyist i am now and even now i'm not anywhere near the hobbyist you are so i'm just imagining that you were able to create you know some pretty epic narrative just in the creation of these models yeah i i, I have um i've run in and have a lot of fun with the posing of the the models because normally the the imperial knight and the chaos knight kits are fairly uh they have a that's like a sing, essentially a single leg pose mm -hmm. and everything changes the silhouette happens above the above the waist yeah but um i've had a lot of fun going in with these and cutting cutting them at the knees cutting them at the waist uh or at the hips and adding in some uh third third party sort of aftermarket parts mm-hmm to change poses and uh, all that sort of crazy stuff. One of the things that I've done for the uh, sort of the warlord of the the army is I use the Knight Valiant, which is one of the, the big, mm -hmm. um, one of the larger kits. Uh, it has a conflagrate, this awesome cannon called the Conflagration Cannon, which is like 3D6 shots. <laughs> um, it's a flamer, so it, it automatically hits. Um, it's, it's quite brutal. Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway, um, I wanted to do something different with that. And some friends of mine had been messing around with Adeptus Titanicus and they'd found some files, uh, they bought, they purchased some files, um, that were, uh, basically like you could turn your knights into a centaur. Really? So it's kind of like, it's kind of like the horse body. So uh, a friend of mine printed it out in, in 40 K scale. And I've, uh, so I bought that from him and plonked the, uh, the Knight Valiant torso uh, on that. So my warlord is this awesome mechanical centaur robot thing. I was going to say, I, I can't imagine that when you built this, and I haven't seen any pictures of this project, but in asking, I didn't even ask you before we started recording, I'm assuming there was some wild conversion somewhere in there, and um, boom. <laughs> yeah, this one, that, that one's definitely the, the pinnacle of the, uh, it, it stands out in the army. For sure. <laughs> nice. But, uh, yeah. but I've done a lot of work on the basing as well with um, some of the, the GW scenery kits. And mm -hmm. uh, at the moment, I'm looking at a guy who gave him two two fists and he's sort of pushing pushing apart a building. Awesome. And he's walking through the middle of that, that sort of breach. Mm -hmm. So, Well, that's always uh, what you imagine giant robots doing in the middle of a city, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've seen exactly. Godzilla enough to know how this works. And uh, to look at, uh, I know Jim Holloway, the famed artist from all the old D&D &D books, Paranoia, uh, Battletech, I mean, you name it, He uh, Star Frontiers, he did countless uh, bits and pieces of art, especially in like Dragon Dungeon Magazine in the 80s and early 90s. Um, a huge bit of what I think of, you know, that universe looking like um is a direct port from jim holloway's pen and mind um right. you know the fact that you know halflings look like the devious little bastards they are is literally in my mind because he drew them that way um right. and he you know but to think about the art that he did for all the covers of the old BattleTech city tech game for example um is literally an archer doing that and for me, thinking back to, you know, giant robots striding through cities, his art directly ports over to what you're talking about. And yeah, man, 
I, I mean, that is to see that actually on a tabletop is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to uh, get them all finished and, uh, and get them into a game. Oh, now is that something that I, I, I mean, I have not played 40 K since nights were a thing. Um, at least not normally. I know that armor cast made them way back when and that sort of thing, but um, are they, how was that to even play? I, I can't even imagine putting my puny army on a tabletop and then looking up at, you know, three of these bastards on the other side, if it's three or more or less, I don't even know. Um, it, sure. it, it would, it would be a bit like being the armed forces in Godzilla and looking up and going, Ugh. um, <laughs> how does that work? Yeah. Um, they, uh, I think in, they, they were introduced in seventh edition, I think. Yeah. Made six, but I'm pretty sure it was seventh. Uh, and in, in that you had the, the strength versus toughness shot, or actually mm -hmm. no, those sorry at that, at that point there were, um, vehicles and they still had like, uh, armor values, that kind of thing. So you'd have a lot of weapons, uh, that just couldn't wound them. Uh, mm -hmm. couldn't do any damage to them at all. Uh, in eighth edition, uh, they, it's like all vehicles got, we're given a toughness value. Of course, yeah. Um, everything's a, a, essentially a big squishy thing. Mm -hmm. um, some things are bigger and less squishy than others. <laughs> the uh, the knights, uh, oh, and, and the way that the um, wounding now works is that if your um, strength is uh, e strength is equal to the toughness, it's a four plus. Mm -hmm your strength is uh four, four plus to wound uh if your strength is less than the toughness it's three plus to wound i'm uh, sorry five plus to wound yeah. and if your strength is less than um half of the toughness mm -hmm. it's six plus to wound yeah and that's basically so anything shooting at anything can cause a wound on a six which makes so, me want to take rank upon rank of las guns take that yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna roll 50 dice and hit you Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So that's the um, that's sort of the dangerous thing. You've got to you got to make sure you get them in in combat or have them in cover or mm -hmm. being able to avoid big lanes of fire. So, uh, but yeah, you're talking about three or, or maybe four knights in an army up against like a regular two thousand points, which might be eighty to one hundred imperial guardsmen or 70 or 80 orcs or something mm -hmm. like that or 20 primaris space marines so. yeah i still forget <laughs> those guys exist and i know that sort of that shows how much i'm paying attention to the modern 40k ethos um i i guess i've been working on um i've been bringing two old projects to completion uh one to mess around with 30k with some friends but then i realized that it also works for 40k and that's my old uh death guard army and the other is my old Sons of Helvis, which I couldn't have you on and not talk about, as you made the general Helvis, the uh, demon prince with the Elvis haircut and the you know Vox Grill screamer on his face with the uh, Elvis sunglasses that you brilliantly painted and gave to me a million years ago. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Well, I, um, I think, I mean, I, I painted 24 noise marines as part of an army a million years ago and thought, yeah, yeah, you know, I, I got them done for the event, and they were probably as good as I could paint at the time. But then looking back since, I've looked at them and gone, oh, that's kind of embarrassing. And I was never, I always felt bad that, you know, 
I would okay. never put those noise marines on the table again, um, given a decade later I can paint so much better. And so I literally pulled them out and redetailed all of them. You know, I'd already washed them. I'd already, you know, base coated, washed, and put some highlights. But then adding two more layers of highlight on every single thing on every model has made them pop. And now to put them yeah. on the tabletop next to Helvis, I can go, now I have an army. This feels good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's um that's one of the things when you go back and you look at your old um old paint jobs. Mm-hmm. It's generally it's not a matter of needing to strip it and re, re like rework the whole thing. Yeah. It's just a matter of a little bit of extra shading here, a little bit of extra highlighting there, mm-hmm. and you can really tie something together. Maybe you want to go through and go, wow, that spot color that I chose was pretty crappy, but yeah, I'll replace that. But um, yeah, I think that's uh, it, it's great when you can. It's almost like you had, you get a new army, isn't it? It is. <laughs> well, and I bring this up for a reason. Um, with the de- uh, well, with both the the Noise Marines and the Death Guard, uh, I had uh, a bunch of models put together, and so for the Death Guard, I tore off their weapons and their backpacks, um, and sort of re-kitted them with thirty k bolters and backpacks, and all of a sudden, you know, my Noise Marine, oh sorry, my Plague Marines went from being forty k to thirty k. Um, yep. sort of Siege of Terra, plague, you know, early Plague Marines. Um, and then I was looking at the Terminators that I had whipped together for a big game way back when to use my, with my Noise Marines. And they were, A, nowhere near done. But also, B, I hated the conversion so much that I put almost no work into them beyond, you know, very basic base coats and washing just yeah. to get them for that one game that wasn't at an event. But then I was reminded of White Dwarf, I believe 300 or maybe 200. God, I'm old. Um, where you did an article where you took your old Crimson Fists and you t- literally, as you said, sort of deconstructed them a bit, cut off, you know, popped off a few arms, um, added extra bits, and then redetailed them, and it turned into another army. And so for me, I took that approach. I thought of that that exact episode, um, issue, and it's one of the few issues of White Dwarf I still own. And I went back and I looked at it and I said, yep, that's a good inspiration. And I've redone my Emperor's Children Terminators um, in a similar manner. And so, cool. um, yeah, it was very cool. And it's, it's great to see this army playable again. Um, but yeah, I mean, how often, I mean, having... R- written that that article way back when um is that something you commonly do and go back and look at your own models and redo them or i also know that you're fast enough a hobbyist that sometimes you just paint a whole new army instead (laughs) uh yeah it's it's, it's like six of one half a dozen of the other but uh, but yeah that no that was uh, that was definitely uh 300 um one of the things that i actually did with those um those marines they actually went on to be uh repainted and included in my my own 30k death guard oh you're kidding (laughs) that's funny i've made it into that as well so uh yeah so occasionally i'll do do that kind of thing um because most of those uh those sort of revamps were done without a um, cohesive army plan Mm -hmm. Uh, so they ended up just sort of sitting around and I'm looking at my desk at the moment. I'm surrounded by, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I'm working on. And there's probably about 30 or 40 models that 
were converted at some point or they were assembled at some point and they were going to be painted and added into an existing collection. Mm -hmm. But I haven't got to that point yet. Yep. And at some stage I'll go, you know, that doesn't have to go into that existing collection. I'll just <laughs> yeah, do some tweaking and move some things around. I, I just, um, for the chaos Knights, I wanted to do some of the, um, I can't remember what the chaos version of them is a bit for Imperial Knights. They're called sacristans. Mm -hmm. They're the um, the guys that basically work on the knights. They um, maintain them. They make sure that the machine spirit is um, comfortable as often as possible. Uh, so I wanted to do some of those for my Chaos Knights. And I had some um, of the new, well, when I say new, I mean relatively new, uh, Delac gang. Yeah. Those are awesome uh, models. Yeah, they've got that, um, that real sort of... Um, Oh, uh, Dark City. I was going to say Dark City. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Great movie. So uh, I've got those and uh, put some of the uh, Depths Mechanicus full gripe um, Electro Priest stars on mm -hmm. them. And so I can just use them in an army as Dark Adeptus Mechanicus kind of thing. Dark Mechanicus uh, Electro Priests. That's cool. Man. So it's a, a way that I can use them. Um, I, whether I actually will or not, I don't know, but, um, at least they have a purpose now. Yeah, exactly. They're, yeah, they're yeah. assembled. I just have to prime them and put them to the side. <laughs> Until you have a whole army of them. Until I have a whole army of them. Exactly. Yeah. Well, for me, looking back at some of these projects is, is meant that, um, I've hunted down and I, I think I mentioned on a past show, I hunted down a, you know, my first land raider, um, okay. And it was sent to me by a friend um, who had been given it by a friend who I gave it to at the bottom of a bag of tank bits. So it's been in a bunch of places. Um, but I randomly messaged a guy after tracking him down saying, so do you have that old red Land Raider that's in pieces? And he went, oh, yeah, I do. And so he sent it to me. And so now I have my first Land Raider that I'm going to um, rebuild because uh, I found the rest of the pieces in the bottom of my bits bag here in the house. And so now I have a whole classic Rogue Trader Land Raider that I'm looking forward to restoring. Um, but in the process, cool. yeah, but in the process of hunting that down, um, the guy who I gave it to originally, um, also in that bag, was another uh, Rogue Trader era Land Raider um, that had been gooped with so much paint that it was pretty much dead. Um, and it was given to me to turn into terrain. And I just said, I could never turn that into terrain. It's, you know, classic Land Raider. I'm just going to have to figure out how to strip it. And at the time, the idea of stripping plastics was a nightmare. Um, but in hunting down the original one, I also got the other one back. And so I got two of these. And I was thinking, well, I'll experiment with the goopy one to see if I can get it to work before I go and attack, you know, the one that is near and dear to my heart. And um, I, I, dunk, I dunked it in, uh, what is it, Simple Green or? Yes. Yep. 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 And left it. And then 24 hours pulled out and scrubbed it. And every day for eight days, I pulled it out and spent about a half an hour on the damn thing. Um, <laughs> eventually pulled out a screwdriver uh, to get the worst goop out of the, the corners. And then a hobby knife nice. when it got more subtle. And it's it's to the point now in my hand where it's still, you know, not perfect and it's still got i can see white red black and blue primer on it um in different 
places and that tells yep. you how how goopy it was um but i think it will fit beautifully with my death guard and so i'm building it back up and yesterday was the first day where i let it dry out and i um i stuck some old classic uh steel legion snub nose las cannons on the sides and put um a death guard armor plate on the front and you know started building it back up and it's a lot of fun um i've been cool. doing you know bolt action modeling and you know my gi joe stuff and a lot of other different aspects of hobby for a long time you know fantasy stuff for warlords of everyone but to go back and to put together this fantasy you know 40k vehicle after 40k was such a big part of my life for so long is now to be yep. like oh god this feels this feels all the good um <laughs> and i don't know if i'm ever gonna play 40k you know properly quote unquote again but this has just been such a great isolation project. Um, I've been so damn tired. And I know a lot of people are with, you know, everything that's going on in the world. Uh, you know, a lot of work schedules have been difficult. And I know thing, things haven't been great for some people. But for me, yeah. going back and revisiting those nostalgic things, um, and I'm a nostalgic guy to start with, I guess. I think we all yeah. know that at this point. But to, to revisit this has just been glorious. It's been so much fun. Um, and I'm just looking forward to painting, priming this bad boy up later today and getting it on the table again, man. It's cool. cool. That's, that, that is cool. I mean, um, I, I completely agree with you with the, the idea of, uh, when you are, when you are feeling exhausted or when you're, uh, sort of, there's a lot of uncertainty, mm -hmm. um, where things are going. The hobby is a, a place where you can, sort of sit down and you, you know what you can do, mm -hmm. you know what you've got in front of you and you can just sort of get it done. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a calming Zen sort of place to, to hang out. It is. And it does give you that. I mean, for me, it's also that, that, you know, I've had this sitting in a box for so damn long. Well, the, the death guard plague Marines, which I have now just about finished other than the backpacks, but to have them, and they are painted to the best of I can paint now, um, to have them and then hopefully this tank to be the centerpiece for it and then just to look at it with you know a dreadnought or whatever else, some of the classic bits and pieces that would go in a Space Marine army from way back when, it's just, you know, I, again, whether or not I play with it will give me you know that, that fun sense of, I don't know, accomplishment, a little bit of pride, like Definitely. look at what I did, and I get to play with all the different shades of, you know, vomit green, which is amazing, you know, which is just that much more unrealistic than bolt action green, which I have a lot of experience with, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Um, something I'm going to ask you about, because it's, it's something that I only recently started um, messing around with for this uh, Chaos Knights project, mm -hmm. is um, I've got a bottle of the uh, AK Interactive mm. Rust Streaks. Yes. And so have yeah. you used that before i have not but i know people who have that's it's it's like a technical paint right and you can run it from rivets down um is Basic, that uh, is that how it works yeah yeah it's uh so it's a it's an now it's an oil based uh thing mm. and um you essentially you can go around the model you can dab it into into areas you can like put it if you want your rust to have accumulated in the corner or you want it if there's a chip in the paint uh, that would have revealed some of the metal underneath, you can put it, just dab some around it. Um, you do that and you sort of dab it all around the, the model. 
um, so that by the time you come back, the, sort of the, the first part is dried. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can get, um, so if you've got a, an old, using an old paintbrush, you get some um, mineral spirits mm-hmm. or turpentine kind of thing on your um, brush, and then you can drag it down to create those streaks. So it looks like rain has pulled that corrosion, mm-hmm. the stain of that corrosion down the, the model. Yeah. And I got to tell you that the, so I went with the chaos Knights. I went through and did some sponge shipping with, um, with a dark Brown mm-hmm. and then came back, put on these, um, like dabbed on this rust streak, uh, stuff from AK interactive around the, the model and then dragged it down with the um, mineral spirits and uh, it, it, the depth, the amount of depth that it gives is incredible. Yeah. Uh, and just looking at it and it's like, I didn't highlight any of the trim around the edge of the armor plates. It's just that the mm-hmm. trim is just all, but you, you don't know because you're not looking at that. You're looking at the rest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hobby cheats by pros. Uh, I have to say um, that is something that, that technique of, um, you know, using an enamel and then coming back with terps or with turpent, uh, sorry, turpentine or uh, mineral spirits and sort of wiping things off is something that I've seen with a lot of bolt action players. Um, right. I think the guy who's done it best is uh, someone we both know, Brian Cook. Um, oh. His work with that particular technique is astonishing. So, uh, yeah, definitely paint all the minis. I believe uh, a lot of Brian's stuff using that technique is on there. So if you're looking for it, Kids, if you're uh, listening at home and you want to find out more about that, I highly recommend. The man knows what he's doing. So, he does. He's yeah. very, uh, very good. At but, uh, yeah, so I think it's something that you should uh, definitely check out and, and think about. Oh, yeah. Pop- uh, Land Raider. Man, I think this Land Raider is going to get sponged like a, uh, like a mofo. Um, <laughs> it's because the paint, because there are still bits that I just can't grind out, um, the treads are going to be very muddy. Um, and the rest of the tank's going to be very rusty. Uh, and yep. we're going to, it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be all sponging all the time. Um, but how <laughs> to not overdo that is, yeah, I haven't quite figured that out yet, but I know I'm priming it black. So I'm going to go there and see where it ends up. See where it goes from there. Nice. <laughs> exactly. Cool. But I'm, um, nice. but I was talking with, uh, a friend of mine, John, who's the episode, who's on our last episode of Cast Ice, where we were talking about acquiring classic models, and we're talking about playing a game of Rogue Trader, um, pulling it out and trying the old beast again and seeing how it plays after all this talk about it recently. Um, yep. And so I have this, you know, orc army from that era that's painted, it's all the models, and so we're going to use that as one of the forces, but John doesn't have an army, so I'm pulling out m- another army, and I don't own a traditional Marine army anymore. Uh, it occurred to me after I said, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. And I was like, ew, hmm, noise Marines right. don't work. Um, hmm. But Plague Marines turns out. So uh, I'm going to be pulling out the classic Land Raider with the classic Dreadnought with the classic Plague Marines on one side oh. of the battle. And yeah, I may just use them as regular Marines or as generic Chaos Marines. But uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to, I think that'll be fun. Um, I'm a little nervous <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to see if, uh, if it's how you remember it or if you've yeah. been uh, looking through rose tinted glasses, both, uh, cause I, I pulled out the books and I was looking, cause I've been looking at the, the art and, you know, some of the charts and, you know, all the fluff in those books for years, whenever, you know, I needed a nostalgia hit, 
but to actually reread the rules and figure out how to play that game, I mean, yeah, yeah, and the yeah. game and it, that game changed radically. So it yeah. it was written as almost an RPG, and then very quickly it turned into an army list tabletop war game. So I think I need to talk to John about which version we're playing and how, but we'll get there. Yeah, it's going to be. Will you include the compendium? Will you include mm-hmm. compilation? What, what mm-hmm. what's going to be? Uh, What's going to be in there? For Which, sure. Are we using the here we go rules? Like there were like three orc books for Rogue Trader. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have like freebooters and like Gene Steeler cult and, you know, orcs and all it. Yeah. Anyway, changing the topic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I pulled actually there's like one half finished model in the entire army, which is the war boss, which is a uh, Rogue Trader Ogren. So I'm going to be painting him up too. But one of these Sorry. days I need to get back to my G.I. Joe and Star Wars. But. You know, we'll get there. Um, have you been playing any other games of late? Um, I know that 40K, at least thematically and fluff-wise, has always been your game of choice. But have you been messing around with anything else? I know that there's not a lot to mess around with at the moment. Um, as Have things re- re- eased off restriction-wise? Yeah. I guess to ask a secondary question in there. Where are you at hobby-wise at the moment? So um, gaming-wise, uh, like... Uh, larger gaming sort of stuff going on um my local stores uh both uh titan uh games and hobbies Mm -hmm. and games and stuff uh are both open again um you can go in they've got a like a limited number of people that are allowed to be in the Mm -hmm. the store at any one time uh everybody sort of be wearing masks all that sort of uh fun stuff Mm -hmm. but uh they haven't opened their gaming areas at all okay Uh, so Still, still waiting on that one. Um, I think uh, that a friend of mine is probably planning uh, sort of a, a game per weekend kind of thing over the next um, next month or so, mm-hmm. uh, sort of outside the back of his place. One person, maybe sort of one person invited over, they play the game. Uh, and hopefully I'm going to be on that list, the list nice. of people that he invites over. I'm crossing my fingers because it'll be, uh, even though I'm much more of a, painter I, I still do enjoy the gaming yeah and the sitting around and as i said pushing toys i said to you earlier pushing That's toy right. soldiers around making pew pew noises mm-hmm. uh, so it, it's definitely fun to do to do that and it's great to have a, a purpose to build towards i guess yeah, but uh other gaming wise um oh i think when i was on last time i probably talked about the uh slaves to darkness chaos army you did mm-hmm. hang on for uh, Age of Sigma, mm-hmm. that one um, started off as a an army for Saga Age of Magic. Oh, nice! Actually, no, I tell a lie. There's a whole bunch of models in it that are from were from Warcry that oh. um, I guess playing towards the end of last year, mm-hmm. and we played some more at the beginning of this year, and then we we're just getting into Saga Age of Magic uh, when COVID uh, basically COVID hit. So we haven't played, we've only played one game in the campaign. Mm-hmm. It's with the longest campaign we've ever played. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm excited that I have finished that army now. And I have, so I have something that's like 3000 points for Age of Sigma, or I can play um, like a dozen points in Saga, which is a ridiculous amount of points to play in Saga. Nice. Uh, and I've got like four or five um war bands for Warcry that I can pull out of it. So I'm really excited that I have an, an army that I can use 
in multiple systems. And I mean, if I wanted to go further, I could probably pull out a Frostgrave warband or mm-hmm. uh, if I get some appropriate um, bases, I could probably turn it into, uh, I could probably use it as a Kings of War arm as well. Yeah. Well, so, uh, in that in that vein, that. Um, I've been looking at some, some Kings of War stuff myself. Uh, my good buddy Patch and Brian play, Brian Cook again, um, play Kings of War from time to time. They are big fans of the rule system. And with third edition, I was kind of waiting for the um, the Uncharted Empires army book uh, to come out with all the bonus army lists because it had a lot of the armies that I already had. And was thinking, cool, right. well, I'll wait till that comes out. Well, I finally got around to it being COVID shut down. So ordered those. They came in and was looking at them. And Oathmark arrived at the same time. And I'm looking at these two rank-and-flank game systems going... What army can I use? What I have for? And turns out my old, um, like you, Slaves to Darkness, Warriors of Chaos, whatever you want to call it, uh, army from way back when, turns out uh, under the third edition Kings of War rules, if I run them as uh, Varinger, they are literally, I don't have to ba- rebase a single model and just go, right. wow. Like the fact that it's perfect out of the box. Um, nice. That's brilliant. And I don't think that works because of the base sizes for Oathmark, but I'm pretty sure I got something else that works for that. And so to look at it and to have that army that I can use for, in my case, Warlords of Erewhon, um, or for uh, Kings of War, all of a sudden, hey, perfect. Awesome. Yep. Yeah. And to have is- it, yeah. Sorry, Dave, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I'm just saying that that is cool. It's, it's, really, it's really nice to be able to... Um, have that utility, I mm-hmm. guess. And uh, so if you've got a um, fairly broad uh, gaming group, when somebody says, hey, let's play a game of this, you're not mm-hmm. sitting there going, good, but I don't have anything. Yeah. So I'm going to repurpose this. And it's funny. I, like- I mean, you and I have been playing long enough that we have friends that either only play games that have they've always played, uh, a.k.a. 40K, um, or right. Fantasy, um, or have moved on and have put, moved on to other games, but they only play those games. And so to be able to find a game to play, you know, I, I have some really good friends that we really struggle to play games together. Like we'll hang out, we'll have a beer, we'll go to dinner. Um, we can share gaming stories and, you know, we speak a similar language enough, but then to actually sit down and play a game together, like we go, oh, what are we gonna play? Like, I don't know how to play that. You don't know how to play this. Like, how does this work? Um, but as you say, to have those armies that'll allow you to do that, um, you know, it's really cool that you can actually then sit down and play these games with people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, most of the time there's a, I've mentioned before that I don't, I don't play a lot, so I don't really, um, I don't really pay attention to a lot of the rules. I just kind of assume that there's going to be some sort of movement and there's going to be some sort of shooting, some mm-hmm. sort of fighting. Yep. Um, and usually it's in that order. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of me go, like putting down my tape measure and then looking up and, and with a question, questioning glance. It's yeah. like, is that far enough? And they're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Great. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> and then when you start playing bolt action mechanic games, you're like, wait, order dice? Oh, crap. Whose turn is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that can be fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, man, too many good games. I mean, and in that vein, I've recently taken uh, some old Age of Sigmar models and converted them up with Goliath weapons to be like a Cornate uh, Necromunda gang. So I'm also hoping to get some Necromunda on the go soon, um, which is just another classic game that is just amazing to play and lots of fun. But now people are playing and you go, yeah, I want to play that. That's fun. And I know you've also played Necromunda quite a bit in the past. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just such a great game system that they keep adding to. And when it first came out, I was like, okay, I don't necessarily like how they're rolling this out, like, really slowly. But it's yeah. been years, and now the game is, you know, has more to it than it's ever had before by a country mile. And it's just it's, huge. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's super impressive. And the the way that they've dialed in the aesthetic of it as well yeah. is amazing. Um, the, the work they've done with all of the plastic gangs is, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of funny. Like I mentioned the Delark gangers turning mm-hmm. them into the Saxons, uh, from that same, uh, from the Adeptus Mechanicus release recently, I got grabbed a whole bunch of those and I put together the cavalry, as the um, the guys with the pistols, what are they called? Uh, the Cerberus Sulfur Hounds. Mm-hmm. So I built up the unit as that, which left me with a whole bunch of these um, carbines uh, that I was like, I'm going to put these onto some Cordor Gangers that I've got mm-hmm. lying around and turn them into a more of an Ash Wasty kind of Adeptus Mechanicus looking guys. Awesome. So yeah, that was just like, yeah, dude, it's like an afternoon to put like to cobble together these bits and then the next like it, it, one saturday to paint them all so yeah. when i say all it's like five five of them yeah exactly. so it's not like it was hundreds of them but it was uh it was five of them uh but yeah it was just a, a nice little sort of palette cleanser thrown in there and it, it wouldn't have been possible without necromunda yeah <laughs> Well, I just picked up um, a mummy and a gang of pulp robed models um, okay. that I'm hoping to paint up before school goes back because I want to play Perilous Tales, which is Mike Hutchinson, the author of Gaslands, uh, is okay. in the process of beta testing a solo pulp game, which, you know, given COVID restrictions, is now's the perfect time. Uh, and so, yeah, and I know um, Ash has been playing it on Gorilla. Gorilla yep. Hobby miniatures. I always forget the name. I know it's Gorilla. I just call it Gorilla. Um, Gorilla games. Yeah, uh, on game. YouTube, which is he's one of my favorite YouTubers. You'd think I'd get the name right, but um, but he's been playing it a ton, uh, and just watching him play, I'm like, God damn, I need to play this now. Um, and it's not like I don't have a lot of pulp models. I have all the heroic models. I need to paint a few, you know, monsters because you can play you know, the blob, or you could play the mummy with the the minions, or you could play, you know, werewolf, vampire, all the classic tropes, um, all the Cthulhuan, Cthulian, um, elder gods, giant robots, you name it, it's in there. And it's, it's so much fun. The thing, you can make, you know, act out all the classic horror movies, um, and you're just fighting against the clock. You're trying to, you know, trying to uh, accomplish you know, score yourself, get a high enough score yourself. Meanwhile, the game's trying to beat you. And it's just a really cool, clever way that the game is laid out. Um, but having just those six models to paint is, you know, because at most you need to paint 10 models to play the game 
full stop and it's free so if you want to sit down and play it it doesn't take much and for those of you who've been playing games for a while like we have you probably yep. have enough models anyway so got the models, models yeah. lying around yeah so it's cool just to have that and so yeah looking forward to playing some of that but again that's not going to be my main game ever probably um no. but like gaslands hell of a lot of fun um yeah great hobby break um, like the old specialist games were back in the day when you only played 40k but then it was like on the side yeah i might play some necromunda or i might play this other thing for a little while and then come back to it they were never meant to be main games they were meant to give yeah. you something to do for a while and then come back um yeah yeah so you charged your uh your 40k batteries or mm -hmm. your Warhammer. sure yeah man Right on. Well, Dave, I'm sorry. I've been rambling at you. And um, I do think uh, that we were going to talk about a Kickstarter. Now, the last time you were on in April, yeah. we were talking about uh, Mini Masterworks Studio X mobile painting studio. Um, now, yes. it looked awesome from all the press that you sent over. And I know that the yep. Kickstart was kicked off. Um, but I know that there were a lot of Kickstarters that were happening around April. Um, I mean, production issues across the world, money issues for a lot of people. It, it was just not the best time for a Kickstarter. So you guys have relaunched. Um, you didn't yep. not meet your goals. You looked at the world situation, you pulled it, and you're coming back on it now. Dave, tell us yeah. about this because, yeah, tell us about the process because it, oh, sure. it can't be, after all that work, it can't be an easy process to pull, right? Uh, it's definitely not. Definitely not. Um, it, it, this ours was a kind of a, it was kind of an odd one. I, I'm going to say ours. I'm going to say we. I don't actually work, direct, I, I'm not a partner in the company or anything right. like that, but I'm helping, uh, helping John and his wife uh, with this because it's a, a really cool product that yeah. that's like custom built for me, really. <laughs> right. <laughs> If if I hadn't if, if I didn't know that John had created it independently of me, I would have thought that he was making it for me. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we originally we were going to launch in um, in March uh, and just before Adepticon, so we'd have a great sort of opportunity to promote it at, at Adepticon. Uh, of course, Adepticon was cancelled, like many other conventions. Uh, so we pushed it off a bit. And we wanted to make sure, actually we got to the point where we made sure that our manufacturer was ready to go. Um, so we launched in May. So shortly after I, um, I spoke with you. Mm -hmm. And um, basically things were going well. Uh, we were on track to over the course of the campaign to fund. But the biggest problem we had was that we didn't have a physical prototype. Um, yeah. We had the renders um, that look, the physical prototype looks almost exactly like the renders. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had those, but we didn't, uh, I don't think we grasped beforehand just how much people wanted to see that prototype yeah. and see it in somebody's hands in a video, opening it up. Mm -hmm. um showing but putting paints on the shelf all of that kind of thing so we decided um because of that the prototype was one thing um when we went into the campaign we didn't have a fulfillment house um uh, but we we did find one along the way mm -hmm. uh so we wanted to be able to go back and not only be able to let people know sort of what roughly what the shipping was going to be up front uh, but also be able to offer some of our retailer 
deals to international retailers mm-hmm. um, because with the uh, we have a, an, an, an international fulfillment house, uh, so they'll be able to fulfill from different locations around the world. So mm-hmm. retailers won't have to worry about import fees and that kind of thing. So we had that. We had um, we had a bunch of stretch goals. We wanted to add a couple of extras, uh, and we wanted to let. I think with, with the stretch goals, we're going to let people know sort of upfront what some of those um, the bigger stretch goals are. Well, when I say bigger, I mean. Um, the ones that we think are sort of best to enhance the or upgrade the quality um, or not quality, but the upgrade, the utility, I guess, is the best way to put it of the Studio X um, itself. So there's a, there were three or four things that we wanted to go through and be able to achieve and um, have all that information ready for when we relaunched so that people could just look at it and there were all their questions were answered and there was no barrier for them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we're really excited to um, to be doing that now. It's awesome, man. Re- relaunch. The um, John has had the prototype for a couple of weeks, and uh, it's it's because all of this is going to be um, injection molded. Uh, the prototype is three D printed, three mm-hmm. um, printed in a variety of different materials, um, but uh, it looks fantastic. He's gone through and painted everything up, and so it looks exactly like it would look. Um, you can open it up. You can use the wet pallets. Um, we've got the the shelves have um, magnetic uh, strips on them, mm-hmm. so that if you pop um, magnets under the bases of your models, you can stick them on the shelves on the side of this. So you can have one side that has all of the paints that you're using for your project. Mm-hmm. For example, these five sacristans. I can could pop some magnets under them. I can have them sitting on one shelf and I have all the paints that I need sitting on the other shelves. Um, and I'd be able to take that to obviously not right now. Yeah. But the, <laughs> Your local game store or a friend's house. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to shipping date of next March. So, um, nice. We're looking sort of post pandemic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, be able to take to your local game store, to your friend's place, to conventions, um, all that sort of thing. So, so hold on, Dave, let's let, I'm going to stop you there for a sec. Um, I'm looking at the photos of the actual product now, not just the renders and they, they look amazing, but I think I know that not everyone listens to every episode of this show. So let's, let's talk about what studio X is again. Um, and I'll, I'll, well, actually I'll let you do it because as, as much as I think I have a solid (laughs) understanding of this, you definitely know more and it looks amazing amazing uh i i don't think i've ever seen a more space efficient hobby tool so please talk to us about this because the bits and pieces just looking at the you know how it all slots together it's it's truly an engineering i mean it's genius so go ahead it is it's pretty crazy isn't it um the guys who uh the guys who worked on the like did the final uh designs the engineering part of it uh they also do things for they do work with um I think Ferrari and uh, Shelby and a couple of other uh, car mm-hmm. manufacturers. Um, so they, they definitely know their stuff. Uh, and I think I think we probably had four engineers working on it and two or three of them are uh, tabletop gamers as well. So uh, they tell, knew man. Yeah. what they were working. But uh, essentially the, the Studio X is, um, it's the Studio X mobile miniature painting studio. Mm-hmm. So the idea is at, at the moment, 
for example, if I wanted to go to um, my local store and, and do some painting, I'd grab my wet palette. I'd grab my brushes. I'd have to make sure I had the little um, caps on them so that I don't damage the ends of the brushes. Exactly. Take my, um, get my paints, uh, grab all the, the bits and pieces. I might get like my little tray of contrast paints and dump them all into a cardboard box mm-hmm. and roll to the store uh, and sit down and, and pull it out and dig through the, uh, the paints when I need to find one and all that sort of stuff. Um do some and all rummaging. that's without the models. Yeah. So yeah. So the models would be in a in a separate um, separate case, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, there, unfortunately, I've got one of the the really old single layer GW uh, miniature cases, one of the original ones. Yep. Uh, that still has the hinges intact. Uh, the, the sorry, the clips intact. Mm-hmm. I know it's pretty amazing. But, I was going to uh, say, Dave. I don't think I've seen one of those in the wild in a decade. In years, uh, but um, so the Studio X is a um, it's kind of a it's a case. Uh, it's it's got a footprint of about eight inches by eight inches, mm-hmm. and it's about uh, thirteen inches tall. Um, it has uh, it's it's all built around um, the thing that uh, John's wife Sissy uh, wanted for her sort of painting desk is a brush hanger. Mm-hmm. So. I know that on my desk brushes are thrown onto the desk and they end up in different angles, uh, yeah. the place. Uh, but some people keep them in a, um, coffee mug or they might have a little rack for them that sort of thing. The idea with the brush hanger is that you can have this piece mounted, uh, like mounted on your wall that you push your, uh, brushes up into the silicon, mm-hmm. um, sort of matrix, I guess, or lattice work that is in it. And that'll hold your brushes and they'll be able to hang upside down so that you don't get water. Any water that's still on the brush doesn't leak up into the ferrule and um, cause the wood to expand, which expands the ferrule, Mm -hmm. which means that your um, bristles fall out faster. So, But it um, also holds files. It also holds uh, hobby knives, basically all the and sculpting tools, basically all the things I'm constantly losing. Um, yeah. it holds all of those and it holds up to 30 pieces. So 30 paintbrushes. Now you might say, Brad, I don't have 30 paintbrushes, but I have, if you add up paintbrushes, you add up files, you add up sculpting tools, um, you add in, um, hobby blades, uh, you name it, all the little hobby bits and pieces, man, I got a lot more than 30. I'm just saying. Um, yeah, sure. and so sure. to have that, and then also to be able to take it with me and not have the risk of leaving it somewhere because it has a home it's pretty rad yep. yeah it is cool it is cool you can, and as i said you can have it uh, sort of mounted up on your wall you can detach it from the wall mount mm-hmm. drop it into the center of the um the studio x case uh and then the at the the bottom of it the bottom of the uh case there are two wet pallets mm-hmm. um people might say two wet pallets i barely use one um but the reason that we've got two in there is that we found uh, sort of talking through um painting with a lot of uh professional painters is that they keep their uh metallic paints yeah. and their regular paints separate uh so we wanted to be able to provide two wet pallets for that sort of occasion um some people don't want don't need, sort of want to worry about that they just do it all on the same uh, same palette 
the cool thing is that there's that second wet palette then you can put in clippers you can put in glue you can have exactly tubes of uh, oil paints or um sprues or all sorts of stuff you can fit a whole lot of bits in uh in into that so uh that's it's it's cool to have both of those there and they sit at the bottom and then on the sides there are two panels that um that basically you can pull off and on those panels there are two two shelves on each panel and each shelf uh is basically the shelves are there to hold paints yeah um essentially it's it's for paints so i use a lot of vallejo paints and uh, so they're in those dropper bottles. So the Vallejo, and I use a bunch of uh, Army Painter paints as well. So mm-hmm. they're all in that that dropper bottle style. You can fit 15 um, dropper bottle paints on one shelf. So if you filled all four shelves with that, that's 60 paints, which is way more than you'll need for yes. any small project. Um you can fit uh, with stacking. I think you can fit about twelve GW paints mm-hmm. uh, on each shelf. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can fit um, the two ounce bottles of Badger Primer, Airbrush Primer. Um, you can fit a whole bunch of different uh, size bottles and and that sort of thing in there. But the maximum you'll be able to fit is about sixty if you go with the uh, dropper dropper bottle style. Yeah. And uh, each of those shelves, those side panels, um, as I mentioned, uh, the, the shelves have um, sort of magnetic strips on them. So mm-hmm. you can put magnets on your minis. You can carry your minis on there as well, uh, which is fantastic because you could fit everything in that just that case. And that's the only thing you have to take with you. If you're going for a night of painting, some of us might sit down and try and paint like, like batch paint. <laughs> Yeah, you get 20 goblins in a night, but you'd be able to fit 20 goblins in there and, and yeah. still have the paints that you need to, to paint them. But generally, well, it's going to be like a warband, right? Well, it's also, I keep a lot of my armies in either old-style GW cases or foam cases, uh, be them not to sort other companies. Um, but when I'm painting things, uh, when the paint's still wet, I don't put those models in those cases because the sure. foam can rub it off before it's fully dry. Um, it's really easy to happen. I've had it happen more times than I can count. I find it really frustrating because then you have to go repaint entire areas. And sometimes, if depending on how you're shading it, you might end up having to put two or three highlights back in. And if you're blending to get those colors, it can be a massive pain in the neck. But what I love is that because it's got the magnetic strips built in, when you stick the models in these cases, they are held upright and independent from the other models, so they're not going to bump into one another. Um, I mean, you're clearly not going to be Heisman throwing this thing across. I, okay, I know it's not the Heisman Trophy kids, but you're not going to be lobbing this case across uh, you know, a parking lot. You wouldn't do that with your regular figure case. But, um, yeah. I mean, just that just to be able to take a model and have it protected with all of the, the painting rigmarole is is super important because you can take all those things with you you can do your hobby but then when you're going back if you're rubbing your work off that you just did you know what's the point but this case yeah. takes that into account which is super key yeah definitely definitely it's um it's it's very cool for for that and just <laughs> i said i'm sitting here thinking of all the ways that i can use it uh yeah. but it's it's definitely cool 
Um, one of the one of the, the fun things as well is we've been thinking about other other ways. I mentioned before, like upgrading the utility of the the case. Mm-hmm. At the moment, we've got two. Uh, there are two plastic panels that slide down, uh, like slide basically sliding doors kind of thing that mm-hmm. slide down and hold the paint onto the shelves while you're transporting it. Yep. Uh, those two panels, we've got a we've got a stretch goal coming a little bit later on, um, where we'll switch those, be able to change those panels for um, basically cutting mats. Oh, cool! The the cutting mats serve as the, the the panels that hold the paints on the shelves, but they can also be taken out and used um, if, if you're doing assembly or whatever you might happen. Well, really, if you're doing assembly or conversions or that kind of thing, mm-hmm. you've got your cutting mat to protect your, uh, your work surface. And yeah, there, there'll be, hopefully we can get that stretch goal level and we'll include that in all of them. Oh, that's so. fantastic. I mean, that is having just literally been hunting for my, you know, uh, cutting surface. So I don't put a hole in my table recently while working on my Land Raider. I, I know exactly how important it is to have a cutting mat, uh, you know, handy yep. and to have it built into the case like that. You're never going to lose it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, you, when you're using it, it's going to be out in front of you and then you're going to pack it away. Boom. That's the other thing that's, um, that's super cool with it is for people who live in um, sort of s- small uh, apartments or, uh, small houses, that kind of thing, or they don't have a dedicated hobby area. Yeah, uh, they need to sort of pack things away each time. Um, it's a great sort of case for those folks as well. Um, I'm lucky enough to be able to spread out in my basement, but um, I know a lot of people aren't. And to have that something that's nice and can just be tucked away, uh, it could even. <laughs> Honestly, you can even make it a centerpiece of your dining room table if you wanted to. Yeah, it's probably best just sort of tucked away in a in a, a cupboard nearby. But uh, yeah, it's 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 definitely cool for for people who don't have a lot of space, who work on smaller projects, um, war bands, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. as well as people who like to travel, or like to go to their local store, or who are working on armies like one unit at a time. Um, yeah, perfect. Yeah, man, it's it is a fantastic hobby tool, and um, I got to say, you know, when we talk about you know the projects that you know possible kickstarters that I like, to, you know, have people on to talk about on this show, um, sometimes you know if if it doesn't wang my twang, like uh, I guess Ted Nugent used to say, I won't. Or no, that's Steven Tyler. I um, you know, I I won't necessarily have someone on to talk about it because if you know it's one thing i've been accused on in the show is being a fanboy for things um but and i am i mean i'm I'm an excitable person i'm an adult with add and when i'm really excited about something i want to talk about it and that's what this podcast is kids um but if i'm not excited talking about it is torture and i don't want to do it uh and yet this is the second time i've had you on to talk about this and i think that is indicative of what a great product i think this is and i'm looking forward to the kickstarter kicking off again because this time i have the money to pledge for it so yeah um <laughs> so I'm, I'm very excited about this releasing um because it's it's gonna be cool and uh it's got all the bells and whistles it looks sexy and it's as you say it is one of the i guess it's one of the most practical hobby tools i've seen come out in a long time 
um yeah it's it's pretty special we wanted it to be it, it the the concept behind it was really that um that utility yeah uh all wrapped up in a really sleek design mm-hmm. um but as, as you said the, the the key thing is is that um that's uh efficiency as well in it mm-hmm. so it's it's quite a small um product for the amount of space there is on the inside so it's a, it's a mini tardis really it is uh, a mini hobby tardis um i'm not sure that the doctor would like us to say that but it's pretty much the truth yeah exactly uh yeah so it's 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 quite cool um we're we, we are very excited about it um it's uh it's going well one thing um i don't think i mentioned to you when i sent some information through mm. uh is that for the first 48 hours of the Kickstarter, we've got uh, we're running like we've got some first 48 uh, specials on some of the um, pledge levels. So uh, one of the things that we've, we've done with our manufacturer in the intervening time since uh, from the the first time around to to now is we've spoken with them. We've been able to get a, a better deal on the um, unit price. For each of the um, for the studio X's, uh, we have to place a bit larger initial order, but mm-hmm. I think it's going to balance out for us. Uh, so we've been able to drop the price of it, um, drop the price uh, for the retail for the Kickstarter, and then also for the 40, first forty eight hours, we're taking another sort of ten dollars off uh, each of the pledge levels that has a Studio X as part of it. That's awesome, man. Um, the Studio X itself. By, by itself will be eighty dollars for that mm-hmm. first forty-eight hours. Um, there are a couple of limited pledge levels that we've got in there as well. Um, so I'm not sure how many uh, folks who are listening know um, Banshee. Um, there's a he's a Alfonso Herardes is a fantastic painter from uh, Spain mm-hmm. uh, who's done so much amazing work over the years. Uh, he is sort of joining us on this as well. So we have a package where. You get the Studio X, but you also get uh, six tutorial videos per month for three months. Oh, that's cool. Uh, which is absolutely awesome. Yeah. Um, it's be great. So only people who pledge for that particular pledge level will get that um, advantage. And then there's uh, one, of course, I couldn't let it go by without offering up a copy of my book mm-hmm. sort of package yep. as well. X plus my book. Yep. Uh, and then um, we've been working with a, a guy, um, Tim from uh, Ouroboros Miniatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim's out of um, the Netherlands and he does fantastic, um, they, they do fantastic busts and uh, that kind of uh, sort of, or, or larger scale miniatures. Mm-hmm. So, miniatures. So we've got, um, We've also got some add-ons from some, from some other companies. We've got some uh, some of the paints from uh, Badger. We've got some brushes from Monument, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Game Envy, and their uh, Hobby Holder. So we've got a basically because we've got this really cool tool essentially. This, this case, yeah. we want to make sure that there are a whole bunch of other things around it that will help people with painting their miniatures. So there's instruction, there's minis, there's brushes, there's paint, there's accessories. That's cool, man. It's the so total it's package. Cool. It's yeah. Clearly, I mean, you guys put a lot of thought into this last time, but clearly, you haven't been idle in the meantime either. 
No, no. We've been uh, doing a lot of work. A lot of work in between. Oh, that's so cool. Well, Dave, tell us um, now, I could say, and it goes live today, kids, um, but that's all arbitrary in the land of recording in advance. Um, when this comes out, it will be Wednesday, Australia time. Um, and so by the time, if you are in the United States, where I know a large chunk of my listeners are from, if I put this out on Wednesday, my time, which I am, you will be yep. listening to this, and if you listen to it, um, and it happens to be Wednesday where you are, it goes live Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time in Ooh. the United States. Am I correct? Uh, it goes live Tuesday, July 7th, uh, noon Eastern That's Summertime. Yep. Sorry, I was getting my day backwards. I live in the future. Sorry. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. It's a, uh, it's a wonder we each other because you're so far so far ahead i know it's, uh what but, is that uh, quote by charles Schultz? don't worry about the future it's already the future in australia anyway sorry, um but uh yeah it'll be uh so tuesday july 7th uh right. u.s eastern time noon eastern time uh so sometime around then so it, it may be live now it may be live in a few minutes <laughs> uh it, yes if i'm doing my math right it'll be live now um when you hear this gang so yeah Enjoy. Check it out. Um, it is super good. And I am going to share the link uh, through the Cast Ice Facebook page, just like last time, so you can see exactly what it is we're talking about. Um, because, again, I was skeptical until I saw it and went, damn. And, uh, yeah, it's the more I read about it, the more impressed I am. So I'm definitely getting one. Super excited. Cool. Awesome. Well, Dave, it has been, as always, uh, a pleasure talking to you, man. Um, thank you for coming back. And, uh yeah, I'm really excited that you guys are doing this again uh, so I can actually get one. And um, yeah, it, it's it's just, I guess it, it has been uh, important in these weird times um, because, you know, we're not able to go out and, and do the things that we normally do that we are taking the time to actually reach out and talk to our friends from afar. At least I have been. And it's been wonderful. And to be able to sit down with you twice in three months has just been it's been really special, man. I'm, I'm glad that we were able to have these chats. So uh, thanks again, man. Perhaps we should have more of these global pandemics. <laughs> well, I was going to no. say, how about more chats, not pandemics? We, we should have way less pandemics. Yes. Yes. Oh. One is but yeah, definitely. No, it's been fantastic uh, talking with you again. Uh, it's definitely cool to... Um, it's always fun to talk about nostalgic uh, mm -hmm. toy soldier projects and... Uh, and sort of where they're taking you. But uh, it, once I get uh, some of these bases done for my uh, Chaos Knights, I'll send you some photos. and Please do. Share those on the, the Cast Ice page. But, I will. Uh, I will, because I know people are going to want to hear it or see them after hearing this. So, yes, I will do that. And I did have a couple people ask recently uh, for pictures of John's Goblins um, from uh, a previous episode. If you pay attention to the Cast Ice page and look back, they are now there. They've been there for a couple days now. So check them out. Um, they are also awesome. Uh, just so much good hobby, man. Um, now, I do have a couple of people who have been fairly um vocal in wondering why i'm talking about a, a mainstay game company like games workshop like i have been um even though it's been rogue trader or you know looking at classic models or uh, this that and the other thing um yes i understand um i know it's not everyone's cup of tea i know there's a lot of dislike for games workshop and no this is not turning into a games workshop podcast 
Um, not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, I just like to look at the gaming industry as a whole. It reminds me a lot of when I was a DJ in college. Um, I was a, a ska DJ on a non-commercial radio station. Um, but I was then, because ska was kind of big in the 90s, um, there were moments where the radio station brass would um, try and get my show thrown off because it was quote-unquote too mainstream which I always thought was <laughs> hilarious. Um, it's kind of like that, guys. Uh, look, I'm going to talk about what I'm passionate about, and at the moment I'm really passionate about putting together some of these classic models and playing some old games and having a good time and you know, getting a chance to have a game, like even if I have a, a contemporary 40K army, where I can sit down and play a game with some of my old 40K buddies who are wonderful yep. people, and there's nothing wrong with them because they play 40K. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, Yes, we will be back. Um, in fact, uh, there is a very special guest next week to talk about a, uh, a game license that I'm very excited about uh, and to talk about uh, some of the, the joys of independent uh, game creation uh, and uh, what it's like to run a smaller game company. So if you're looking for more sort of uh, indie cast dice uh, content, don't worry, it's coming. It's already scheduled. <laughs> By the time that this hits the air, it will be recorded and uh, it will be coming at you soon. So, ladies and gentlemen, as always, when you are playing the games that we know and love, as our good buddy Casey always says, I hope your beverages are cold. I hope that your dice roll hot. But more than anything else, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Good night. Terrence